0: Jesus is the way to God. And I want what I'm going to say to you to address the longings in your heart. What you really want, what you're really looking for. There's actually two things I don't want to see happen with this message. The first thing is what uh, first year medical student Mark asked me to do a few years back. And he said, Help me to find that slam dunk killer argument that once you say it, people will look and say, yeah, you're right, the gospel is true, and it's, it's all true, and you're right. And after, and so I set about looking for that, and actually I never found it, because I, doesn't, I don't think it exists. Because I don't think you can, through a clever argument, talk people into Christianity. So I don't want to be clever... I don't want you to write down that little phrase that you want to say to your friend or maybe you're here and somebody's brought you here because they want you to hear this message or you're here saying, okay, what do you got? Give me your best stuff. I'm not going to do that. And you could very well be through what you hear you might be able to poke holes in it. Go ahead, I'm not that smart. You can poke some holes in it if you want to do that. I don't intend to be clever. And secondly... I don't want to give you any bullets for your gospel gun. Sometimes when you hear a message or you hear about Jesus being the only way and you really believe that and you know it to be true and you've experienced it, when you hear somebody else saying, well, I'm not sure, is there another way? And I'd like to look, there's something that can kind of well up inside of us. And we're like, oh, man, I really need to set this person straight. So you want to have a conversation with them but the goal of the conversation is that you talk and they listen. You know how those things are. Uh, I would encourage you not to do that, to be free of that because people need to be heard. And if somebody wants to know God, you need to talk to them about it. In fact, you need to listen to them. It's a great gift that you can give them. They can just ask them some questions. Not with the purpose of you being able to talk but just for the purpose of letting them express where they are. Maybe a question like, well, tell me about that. I'd really like to know what you found. Or maybe you can ask them that Dr. Phil question. How's that working for you? Are you finding what you're looking for? You can ask them. Those Those are great questions. Those are questions of people connecting up. So I don't want to load up your gospel gun or be clever. Because we're going to be talking about Jesus as the way to God. And insert only can just do things in our mind. And I don't want that to happen. Actually, as we think of Jesus when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sometimes we get stuck in the first part. I am the way. And all of a sudden there are debates and there are thoughts. And we miss what comes afterward. So what I want to do is I want to back through the verse. I want to go from back to front so that we don't get caught and kind of sort of we hit this wall and not listen to what we ought to listen to. Jesus said, I am the life. And the more I read the Bible, the more I'm convinced that Jesus loved the book of Deuteronomy. He often quoted it, and that was his, almost his go-to book. When he was in the desert, and we're going to do this slowly. <laughs> oh, let's see. We talk about how we're working with the slides. And I think, are we even with lunches yet? Or who owes who? <laughs> I'm joking around with Charla. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think she owes me two, don't you? <laughs> you just see the look on her face. No way. I don't owe you two. Okay. So Jesus, when he was in, and that's on page 682. When he was in temptation, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. It is written, Deuteronomy 8.3. And then the next slide. He will, and when Satan was using it as written, Jesus again said, it is written, Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And finally, the third temptation. He said, "I will if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all this. And Jesus said, it is written. Deuteronomy 6.13 Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. The word of God is powerful when you're tempted. And angels came and ministered to him. Now Jesus knew the book of Deuteronomy, so I'm convinced he knew the heart, or what we might call the key verse in the book of Deuteronomy, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 20. What was the purpose, Deuteronomy 30, rather, starting verse 19? I think this is so significant. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and so that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Oh, do we need to understand that? For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the book of Deuteronomy is about finding life, choosing God as the center of your life, and letting everything work out from him. Now the big question was, was that part of Jesus' message? So I actually looked in the the book of John and found 42 times the word life in the book of John. And we're going to just look at a few of these verses and see what he had to say about life. Now you've heard these verses. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 3.16, we know so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have (coughs) eternal life. Sometimes we get on the eternal part and we forget that Jesus was talking about life that never has an ending. But it's life. And this life starts the day that you put your trust and hope in Jesus. And then we see in John, for example, 6.33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then we see in John six thirty five, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And back in that day when they heard that, bread was their staple. Not like us today, we're counting carbs, so we probably try to stay away from bread. They needed bread. When Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, they got it. Then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he died. And then we come to a favorite verse of mine in John 10.10. What does the thief do? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Kill, the opposite of life. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Or we know this as abundant life. In fact, I have a daughter, Claire, here that goes to abundant life school. But I found some definitions some translations for the word abundant that I wanted to share with you. And I want you to maybe pick one that might resonate with you. So listen to these when it comes to life. Let me see here. Let me find out what I did with that. It's right here. Okay. More than enough, having some left over, present in abundance, abounding, exceeding, The usual number of size, exceeding the usual number of size, extraordinary, great, more, having a surplus, more than sufficient, excessive, beyond all measure. And that's the one I like. Beyond all measure. I want a life that nobody can measure. That's why Jesus came. I am the life. I am life. Now let's look at the next word that comes up. I am the truth. And here's a word that kind of always can lead us to these big debates and discussions. What is truth? And we get off on that. But I want to describe and define truth in a little bit different way. I want truth simply to mean the best way to live. Truth, the best way to live. Because if you believe something, you usually do it. And it's very interesting to look at somebody's life and say, I know what you believe because I watch you live. And that's the truth. It's not hard to know what somebody believes. Just watch the way they live. So truth is actually the way, the best way to live. Now, there are two kinds of truth out there in the world, and this might simplify it a little bit. But they're what I call God truths and man truths. And we sort of swim in the ocean of man truths all the time And we very well might believe them as truths. And they're actually not God truths, but they're man truths. And you probably need an example of that to know what I'm talking about. What a man truth, what are you saying? God truth and man truth, sometimes they intersect. And somebody came up to me after last service and said, well, here's an intersection of God truth and man truth. One plus one is two. I said, yeah, you're right. But what are the man-truths maybe that we kind of experience all the time? And here's the first one. Money can make you happy. It's a man-truth. You ever seen that at the university? We see that all the time. University is a very tough place to be. In fact, as I told you, I work with Chinese students, and one day I was doing sort of a conversational time when I just get together with students and we just talk in English. Because sometimes all they do is read and they just don't talk. They need opportunities to talk. So one student pushed me over her law book and said, read this paragraph. Do you understand what it's saying? So I looked at it and I read it and I had to read it again. And then I had to read it a third time. It's like, I think I know what it's saying. She said, for me, it takes me a half an hour with my dictionary in my hand to read one page. I said, wow. And so I do something to make people think, not to be clever. I said to her, so why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to yourself? Which is the big question you could really ask of anybody, in particular at the university. Why are you doing this? What's the purpose? What's the reason that you're going through all this? And as I ask Chinese, usually they will say to me, so that I can make money and be happy and have all I can uh, be able to buy things. And that will make me happy. So then I say to them, wow, that's a big risk. What if it doesn't work? What if money doesn't make you happy? What a risk. Boy, I tell you, there's a lot of risk in man truth. Lots of risk. And then I'll go on to say, well, actually, money can't buy what's really the most important stuff in life. So I say, why don't you walk up to somebody, or maybe, did you say this to your husband or your wife or somebody that you want to marry? "Uh, I will pay you to love me. Wait a minute, money make you happy? Well, wait a minute, can you pay somebody to love you? We call that prostitution. That's not much love in that. But that's what money can do. Pretty limited So if we think money is going to make us happy, it's a man-truth. There's actually another one that I actually see at the university all the time, and that is the man-truth which simply says your job will make you happy. And I always get chuckles at this, especially the older folk who realize that that ain't going to happen, didn't happen, but when you're young, you're at the university, you're working on your career, and what you do is going to fulfill you. It's going to make you happy. Actually, uh, something that comes, happens almost all the time, wherever I go, I'll tell people what I do, and then particularly those who are unhappy with their job will look at me and say, oh, I wish I could do what you do. That'd really be fun. That'd really be great. Or I, I want to retire and I want to work with youth. I've heard that a lot. Please don't say that to me. <laughs> So they don't say that to me. I might get violent. No, no, I won't. <laughs> but then I say, I say to them, I'm not sure why you want my job. That's not what makes me happy. They look at me like, what? Your job is supposed to make... No, your job does not make you happy. It doesn't work that way. And there's actually a third man truth. And there are lots of them. I'm just talking about three big ones. And the third one is that marriage will make you happy happy and my wife already knows that ain't true (laughs) man i'm glad if you think that i'm glad i'm not married to you because you're supposed to make me happy you know it's not surprising that divorce is up at 50 percent when people are looking for somebody else to make them happy actually there is a god truth here and the god truth is found in the book of ecclesiastes I wanted to read for you because I've talked about happiness. Every one of the truths ended up with what's going to make you happy because I think people are looking to be happy. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. Man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. For this too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the one who pleases him, God gives. God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, those who choose to go their own way, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. So those who are not of faith are working for you. Because happiness is a gift from the gift giver. So that's where you find happiness. That's why Jesus is your life. Because from him, you find what you really need. And that is happiness. And he will give that to you. And that's a great and wonderful thing. In fact, truth does something for us. In John 8, 32, Jesus said this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because man-truth puts you in prison. If you think that money is going to make you happy, you are in a prison. If you think that your job will make you happy, you're in a prison. If you think that marriage will make you happy, you're in a prison. And some of you are in prison for many different reasons. And you can't ever see a way to get out of that prison. When Jesus came and announced who he was and began his ministry, he said this in Luke chapter 4. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you're in prison today because all you can see is the bars, and there's darkness, truth will set you free. You can be set free. Jesus came to set you free, to show you how to be free. Now, there is a place for prayer that Mark will talk about a little bit later. And if you're not free, you need to get free. You need to begin the process of freeing yourself. God wants that to happen, because that's what happens with truth. Truth frees us. To know where happiness comes from, that frees me. So you need to be free. Jesus said, I am the life, I am the truth, and I am the way. Now I wanted to tell you something that happened to me the first time that I came to Door Creek Church. And I'm embarrassed to even say this, and I've never probably even told this to my wife. But first time I came to Door Creek Church, I didn't know, I'd never been to the church. It was dark. I was talking to the missions committee. And I was late, and so I kind of rushed here. and I, I came in front of the church, and I saw a door that was lighted. I said, oh, that must be the way in. So I stopped my car out, parked it out in front. And I looked and said, man, that's weird. There's no sidewalks to this door. But I said, I'm late. i got to go in there anyway. So I'll have to figure it out later. So I started walking. All of a sudden, it was squish, squish, squish. It's like, I'm sinking in mud. This is not happening to me. I'm late, and my feet are covered with mud. Oh, man, that's terrible. Tell me, is there anybody who's done that? Okay, raise your hand if you've done that. You make me feel good. Okay, thank you. Not only one. Many have done that. Thank you. It's not just me and the weird ways that I choose to behave. (laughs) So I backed up and I got back in my car and I found the way in to church. And it worked okay. And they probably didn't know. And this is the first time I've told anybody about that. And I found that there's actually, when it comes to getting into this church, there's a way to get into this church. And that's actually probably the best way to get into this church. It's the way the architect designed it to get in here. Now, for you that are looking for this airtight, oh, hey, this might be a good little clever thing. Well, you know what? You got me. You're probably saying, oh, there's another way to get in church. You could break in. You could blow a hole in the side. It's true. Not the very best way. Mark wouldn't like it. The police wouldn't like it. There are un- there are unintended consequences to the ways that we choose. But there is the best way to get into this church. I like to take uh, medical students and nursing and pharmacy students on a mission trip, and it's not easy to find something for students. So I've kind of found something that I do. I go down, bring them down to... Honduras, most recently. My first Honduras trip, I was in the bus, we were with the team, and we are getting to the site. There were always people waiting, 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 waiting. So we were driving and kind of on time, and all of a sudden we get to the very center of town, Tegucigalpa, and there's a strike, and the roads are locked. They They block them off with trucks. You can't get in, you can't get out, you can't move. So the bus driver gets out and the leader of the group gets out and talks to them in Spanish. And they're telling them, we're the medical team. We've come here as Americans to help you. Let us through. I thought, oh, that's gold. That'll get us through. Didn't work. Here we were. We needed to figure out something. I had no idea what to do. So the bus driver says, get back in the bus, everybody. And so he starts backing up the bus. It's like, oh, man, what are you doing? Where are you going? Oh, we just missed that car. We just missed that. Oh, my gosh. So he turned it around. And all of a sudden, I find myself on the outskirts of the city. And I can kind of look down into the city. And 15 minutes later, we're at the site. I said, wow, how'd that happen? If you would have given me the wheel, I would have never been able to find it. I would have had no idea, because I had no idea where I was going. I would have had no idea how to get there. But the wayshower named Jesus tells you how to get there. He knows how to get there you to where you need to go and you know what I didn't get mad at that bus driver I didn't yell at him I didn't say how dare you bring us this way I was happy he showed us the way because the most wonderful thing about this message is that there is a way God will show us the way as I was sort of thinking about this message a student found me, a law student, and that's sometimes how it works very often. And I've determined in my heart that I want to be findable by God and others when they want me. So I just want to be able to be found. And so a student found me and wanted to meet with me. So I met with her because she wanted to find a reason to get up in the morning. She'd lost that reason. And so I met her and just listen to her story. And about 15 or 20 minutes into the con- con- uh, con- uh, conversation, she had this eureka look on her face. And I thought it's going to be, oh, she's going to be looking for Jesus. Because we had talked about God and finding God in the conversation. And she said, I think I have it. If I volunteer for this certain organization, I think that will make me feel better. I looked at her and I said, that's like putting a Band-Aid on your cut after heart surgery. You're never going to get to where you need to go that way. She looked at me like, well, oh man, aren't you supposed to help me to feel better? So you know what the big question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we really want? Do we just want to feel good or feel better or be happy or get some relief? That's what her words Well, you know, if you're just looking for relief, maybe you could go to Walgreens and get something on the shelves. Lots of stuff. I'm not trying to be cute. If you're looking for happy, State Street has a lot of nice restaurants, lots of fun movies. I get Netflix. I like Netflix. Lots of ways to have fun in this city. But if you're looking for God, there's a way to get there. And the way wayshower, named Jesus, wants to bring you there. Now I said to her, I said, if you want to find God, I'll help you get there. The thing that I like about this passage is the way is a person. The truth is a person. The life is a person. And he is waiting to take your hand to get you to where you need to go. And that's the wonderful thing about this passage. There's a way to get there, and there's somebody there that will get you to where you really need to go because you don't even know where it is. You wouldn't even know if you got there if this is the place I'm supposed to be. But the way-shower knows. That's why he is the way. That's why I'm thankful for this verse. The only way, there's a way-shower. Somebody's been sent to us like the bus driver. He knows the way. Thank God for that bus driver. Thank God for Jesus that shows us the way. My father, at the end of his life, sat on the couch and he was replaying his life because he was near the end of his life. And his goal in life, that he had talked to me often, was to make a million dollars. But you know, toward the end of his life, he realized maybe that's not it. That's not what I should be all about. So he took the hand of the way-shower and he was shown the way. And he got to where he needed to go. Because Jesus will always make sure you get to where you need to go. And his life was transformed. There were still some ugly warts, bumps there like we all have. But it was different. Money didn't have the power over him. He got freed from that. And he found the way. The good news to you is, the good news to your friends is, there's a way to get to where you need to go. And the end of that place and the beginning as well as God. And that's not just for salvation. That's for life. That's for truth. That's for everything. Jesus will bring you to where you need to go. You will get to where you need to go if you allow the way-shower to show you the way. Now, the big risk for you is if you don't like that. It is a risk. What if you don't make it? What if you've leaned your ladder on the wall of success only to realize I've just leaned it against the wrong wall? That's a risk. It's a huge risk. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have sent to us the way shower. That we can know the way. We can know truth. We can know life. Because this is what we desperately need. Help us, Lord, to know what we want. And to change our wants into what we really need And to know that you can only satisfy what we really, really need. Bless us, Father, all those in my hearing that are wondering about this. Father, we pray that they would humble themselves and come to you. And ask you to help them find the way. Because you're good at that. You're great at that. You're so able to do that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.